Welcome to the Sermon of the Week at New Hope Community Church. We hope that you're blessed and encounter God's presence as you listen to this message. So there's this thing. Has anyone ever heard, or I hope you've heard it, or you're living under a rock, but it's this wonderful website called the Babylon Bee. Yeah, it's like, okay, I just say it and people laugh, right? So it is basically a news Christian satire site. So it's meant to be humorous and funny, and it probably offends people all over the country, but it's actually supposed to be funny. Um, But I ran into this one this week. I thought this was so great for our culture. Man on deathbed deeply regrets not spending more time arguing on Facebook. And that got my attention when I saw that go through. I read that, and it just made me laugh. After a long battle with cancer, local man Gary Trimble was given mere days to live earlier this week, promoting the man, uh, prompting the man to reminisce to friends and family about his life and express his greatest regrets. As his family gathered around him in his last moments, an emotional Trimble said that his most painful regret was not spending more time arguing on Facebook. While he had also felt sorry for not getting into heated Twitter debates and dunking on his ideological foes with savage subtweets more often, his greatest regret was wasting his life doing productive things rather than trolling Facebook, spoiling for a fight all day long. (laughs) He said, "You you just never know how much time you have, so make sure that you spend it on Facebook debating important things like politics, religion, and Star Wars films he'd said before whispering that he'd like a glass of water. It's really important to spend quality time blasting acquaintances from high school on their horrible opinions in all capital letters pretty much all day long. Trimble stated that while he did try his best to argue on Facebook from time to time, he often lost sight of what was really important, becoming distracted by spending time with his friends and family in real life way too much. So you always think to yourself, I can put off that Facebook debate until tomorrow, but you, you may only have today, he added, so make it count. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, that stuff just makes me laugh. Uh, I love satire. So good morning, good to see everyone. Oh man, it feels even a little warm in here despite all the AC pumping. You know it's hot outside. It's like, oh, it's like my microphone sticks to my back. And you don't know that, but it's like... So um, for those who were here last week, uh, I'm going to do kind of a part two to what I talked about last week, but I'm going to do a quick little recap for those who weren't here, okay? I like recaps. Does anyone like recaps? Like, okay, just sum it up for me. What were the basic points? Give it to me again. After I read through the whole thing, I love when people do end of chapter summaries. Those are like the best thing ever. Um, So what I talked about last week, what the Lord, I felt the Lord was speaking to me in the month of May, and I was waiting for the time to get up and share it, was that we had this whole thing happen in the month of May of a royal wedding. We had Prince Harry and Meghan Markle got married, right? Like that was a huge deal. We might only see one or two of those type of events in a lifetime. Um, So it was, the Lord was just speaking to me during this whole thing, and I thought it was so interesting because we, we have a culture that is really more against tradition a lot of times. You know, we don't want to go the traditional way. We want to do things differently. We want to buck the traditions. But yet we had so many people all over the world tuning in to watch this wedding. So what I realized, and I felt uh, just so obvious, was that people love chivalry. They love the idea of a royal family, of princes, princesses, 
Every mother in America with daughters was watching this, had probably recorded it. I know it was being watched in my household. I was not into it at all in the beginning. I was like, I'm not interested in this celebrity stuff, you know. But then we ended up watching it. It was actually really interesting, right? Amazing speaker, and you can't help but be impressed by the royalty, the castles, the this and that. It's just amazing. I mean, they spend like millions and millions of dollars preparing this, all the security. I think we, we talked about last week that Princess William's wedding cost $34 million, 32 of which went for security. So I don't know, I left $2 million for all the rest of it, I guess. Um, but, you know, there's something that's so enticing and so captivates the whole world like a royal wedding. You had hundreds of millions of people all over the world tuning in to see this. And it was great. It was so interesting. Um, but I felt the Lord saying at the same thing, how much more amazing is it that you get to be part of the royal family of God and you're brought into a kingdom that we didn't even do anything to earn. It was given to us. It was, you know, Jesus died. He died so we could have relationship with the Father and be ushered into the ultimate royal family of the universe, right? Our God is over the heavens and the earth, not just a, a figurehead in a nation. As great as that is and is interesting, ours is far more important. And we can f greatly impact history in a way that they can't, right? And we may not, it's not a lineage thing anymore. It's being part of the family of God. But the main point that we talked about last week was that uh, being royalty carries with it a profound sense of responsibility. Yes. You know, it isn't just this trivial thing. Oh, I've been saved. Well, now I can go live my own life and do my own thing and live without purpose. No. Like, we should be the people that have the most ultimate purpose and sense of mission in our lives. Um, so we talked about how living as royalty affects every area of your life. If you're in that royal family, like you just don't go out and do your own thing. You don't go support the cause that you just want to personally go support. They all have their role in the family. They know what they're to do, right? Being part of a royal family affects every area of their lives. It affects every thought, how they're going to live their day. Same thing with us in the family of God. Our lives are not just our own. We're here to establish the will of Jesus on the earth. It's such an amazing mission. So I talked about three main, three main points. If you go back one, Mark, uh, our lives are not our own. We talked about that last week. Once we understand that, you know, it's a huge responsibility to be a part of the kingdom of God, when you're royalty, it comes with a sense of responsibility that we know that our lives are not our own. The second point we talked about was that as royals, we know our place in the family and we know our assignment. Okay, we know our place in the family and we know our assignment. What is so neat is about you watch William and you watch Harry, and, and I've watched them for years. They don't debate over who's who in the family. You know, William's not jealous of Harry for what he's doing or vice versa. They know their roles, they know where they're at in the family, they know what their mission is and how to advance whatever it is they're doing or causes they get behind. It's the same thing with us. We know our place in the family of God. And if you don't, we want to help you get to know that. What are your gifts? What are your callings? We talked last week about spiritual gifts, knowing the spiritual gifts that you carry, that we've all been given unique spiritual gifts, and we went through them last week. And that's something in the days ahead that we want to help people get. And as new believers come in here, new people come in, we need to be equipped, we need to know our assignment, we need to know what spiritual gifts we've been given so that we're effective on earth, right? 
And the third one we talked about last week was as royals, we think big and we think long term. As part of a royal family, we think big and we think long term. You know, we are like, I've said this before, we're like heirs overseeing our dad's estate, right? We, you know, he gave us this part of the estate to oversee. Ambassadors have royal, I mean, they have been given an assignment, they've been given authority. We have authority over a sphere that the Lord has given us. It might be your family to establish the kingdom of God in your family. Could be your workplace, and many have larger areas or metrons. Um, but we talked about how fear-based thinking is actually anti-kingdom, right? Fear-based thinking is anti-kingdom. That royals don't think. They don't live their lives by fear. They're not afraid of everything. Um, fear constricts the life that we're called to experience on earth. You know, fear just constricts the life. And you're not going to experience it to the fullest if we're living by fear. So we, this was just a quick summary of what we talked about last week. Um, I felt like this is so important that we get into us, right? And that we get into our hearts and get into our spirit for the days ahead. We have to know who we're called to be. And if you're new with us today, you know, you're joining into kind of this family of God that God has been assembling here. God is assembling a people. He's joining together a people who are going to do exploits in the days ahead. Amen. And we're going to be a part of equipping people, equipping the body of Christ, people that come in here and, okay, they're a mess. Well, we're going to get them healed and get them back up on their feet and get them trained and equipped. Not just so that we can come and attend every week, right, and just have, I love family fun days. I'm a huge proponent of that. I love fun anything. Um, but it's not just about that, right? It's a family, but we also have a sense of purpose and we have a sense of mission. Or you can just go join an elk club, like Ralph always says, right? There's a lot of elk clubs you can go join and just hang out and be in camaraderie. Uh, but the family of God is different, we join, we lock arms together, we support one another, we encourage each other. You know, we want to see each other equipped and grow. It's going to take all of us in this together. And I want to show this picture too, just because I love talking about this picture, okay? So I shared this last week, and yes, this is a Yankees plug, it's a shameless plug, um, but I hope, hope there's a lot of Yankee fans in here. So I feel like part of God assembling this people it has to comprise a lot of Yankee fans. Uh, but I shared this. This is a picture that hangs up in my office downstairs. This is a picture of Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer in the history of baseball, indisputably. Um, this guy was a five-time World Series champion. He had 13-time All-Star. So he's running out on the field in this picture to the last game at Yankee Stadium in his entire career. Uh, people f feared facing him in games. So they'd bring him at the end of the game when the game was, when the Yankees were winning, and they'd want him to close out the game, right? Like you'd bring him in the eighth or ninth inning, he might throw 10 to 30 pitches. Um, he never would complain and say, well, I want to be a starter. I want to start the games. No, he knew his place. He was a closer. He was an effective closer, and he had the best pitch in the history of the game. He had the cutter, and it was a fastball. It would come in right around up high on your hands, a mid-90s mile-an-hour fastball. And if you didn't strike out and you were lucky enough to get some bat on it, you probably broke your bat and grounded out and got thrown out of first base. So um, he shattered more bats than any other pitcher in the game. But I love this pit picture because it speaks to me of the intensity of the call that he knew he had, the sense of purpose, the sense of excellence, knowing your assignment, and developing to your fullest potential. 
He was the best in the game, best at what he did. But I don't know that we'll ever see another pitcher like him in our day. He was so amazing. Um, but he's also a born-again Christian, very strong about his faith. He pastors, a, I think his wife pastors a church down in Florida now. Um, so he's gone a whole different direction. But I thought the Lord always speaks to me through that picture and says that, man, if the saints of God went out into their day with the authority and the excellence and the preparation and the devotion to what we're called to do, like that picture, I mean, we would be ushering in the next move of God really quickly. I mean, stuff would be changing, stuff would be happening, people would be even added into our numbers here, people would be added into the mix, people would be experiencing God, they'd be getting prophetic encouragement, you know, throughout their day. Um, I love that. That speaks of the intensity of the call and the intensity of purpose. And uh, I feel like as believers, we have our own intensity of the call, right? Intensity of you know, being a believer and being part of God's family. So I want to just move on from there, and I want to talk about two points this week. Um, and here's the, here's the two that, first that we're going to talk about today, okay? That as part of God's family, we have been given authority and we have been commissioned, right? We've been given authority and we've been commissioned, When we leave her each week, we can go out of here knowing I have been given authority and I've been commissioned, right? Right? We're not waiting for something to happen. No, if you have come to know Jesus and you know him, you've experienced him, you've received his Holy Spirit, you have been given authority and you've been commissioned. Um, We hear this in Jesus saying that the, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. I think that's so incredible. I mean, it's like, that is, I mean, I don't even know how people could argue and say, well, that doesn't apply to us anymore. It's like, the whole earth has not been discipled. And that's our mission, that's our job, is to see disciples come in. And it's incredible. It's like Jesus saying in there, he's like, every, I'm, you are going to represent me in every meeting you're in. You're going to represent me in every classroom that you teach in. You're going to represent me in your family at home, as if you're a stay-at-home mom with your kids. You're called to represent me right there. You know, we represent him here, right? That's why we feel the love of God and we feel the presence of God here. But when we go out on Monday morning and we drive in our car and most of us go to work, then we say, God, you have called me to represent you today and to represent you well. That is such an awesome way to live. We've been given power. We've been given authority. I looked up the definition of the word commission, and it means a group of people who have been formally chosen and given authority to perform a special duty right? It's like you've been chosen. You're part of the family. Now you've been given a special duty, a special assignment. Commission is the act of passing a responsibility to someone else. So if you receive a government commission, it means you've been assigned a task by the government, right? In our day and age today, if you get assigned a commission, you've been assigned a task. Each one of us in here has been assigned a task, And we just read it, you know, go out and make disciples of all nations. We get to make disciples right here in North Chile or Chile or Hilton or Spencerport or Rochester or Webster, wherever you're from. It's a beautiful thing. Say, I have been commissioned. I have been commissioned. 
Say, I have been given authority. I have been given authority. It's true. The commission in the Bible is the end of the gospel, but it is the beginning of a journey of faith. Right? When he gave that commission, it was the really summing up the gospels. But it was the beginning of a journey of faith that they were just going to be launching out into. Being commissioned is like, it's like really the thrill, you know, of like, I've been commissioned. Every day I can go out there and I can make an impact. And I can represent you so well. And I don't even have to strive and try to make it happen because it's going to come out naturally. Because God's a God of love, and if love is in us, it's not going to beat people up or confuse everybody. It's, you know, it's a good thing. Um, so I love that. So that's the first one, okay? So that is our first one. We talk about we have been given authority and we've been commissioned. The second one I want to just focus on a little bit here, and this is so important to my heart, is part of the royal family. We all carry a heart for expansion and for increase, yeah. right? It's like the pastor doesn't just carry a heart for expansion and increase, or the business person doesn't just carry it for increase. It's like we all carry a heart for expansion and increase. You know, we, Joy and I had a chance to meet with uh, Tom and, and Eunice Smith a couple weeks ago, and, um, you know, they're at the time of their lives where people would be slowing down and we're going to retire and we got these wonderful plans, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they're in the season of wanting to be fired up, and they're going to be going out on the mission field. We're going to be talking about that. They're going to be going to Africa, right, and serving in an orphanage. Right? It's like a big deal. Even it, it, it's like expansion and increase isn't just a message for the 20s and 30s. It's a message for the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It's, it's in our DNA as members of the royal family, right? That, uh, you know, and it's like, so I love that, you know, that they're getting fired up again and they're getting retooled and they're going to be going out on, on an assignment. We don't know if it's long-term or short-term or whatever, but they're trusting God and they're going to take that step out. And that's really cool. So there, I've said it. Everybody knows. <laughs> so it's out. It was a secret before that. Yeah. <laughs> it really wasn't. But, but, uh, but we want to get behind them. We want to be part of that journey, right? Yeah. That's awesome. So we all carry a heart for expansion and increase. And how about personally? Do we personally carry a heart for expansion and increase in our own lives? Do you personally carry a heart to see yourself grow? You know, I think the saddest thing on the planet is when you meet someone and like they have no desire to grow and develop. And they're very, very stuck where they're at and they have no awareness, really. It's sad. Um, we all personally should have a heart to grow and develop. And, you know, we're not growing and developing into become like somebody else, but we're, we want to someday before the Lord say, hear the Lord say, you know what? I gave you this and you developed to the fullest potential of what I put in you. Yes. You know, you didn't develop to become like Joy or you didn't develop to become like Ralph or, or to be like Jan. You developed to the fullest potential. You didn't stop and you didn't get hurt and veer off the course and go a different direction. You went after things. You faced hurts as they came up. You know, when, when, uh, when God brought something to the surface in your life to be dealt with, you dealt with it and you moved on and you grew. It's like, that's what it's about, like having a heart to develop and grow to our fullest potential. Um, you know, I think it's so cool, too, because God's family is the only family in the universe that increases by people believing through faith. 
It's almost bizarre. I mean, it's like, it's not, it's like a spiritual, it just grows through spiritual birth, you know? It's, uh, it's not about bloodline or lineage or, you know, anything. We've been grafted into through a royal bloodline now. And all we'd have to do is believe, you know? Um, so our mission is to represent him so well that people can't help join the family, right? I feel like that's our goal. I want to represent him so well that people just want what you have. They're like, I like that, and I want that. <laughs> Make them jealous, you know? It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we enter the kingdom in through faith, you know, not through royal bloodline or anything like that. That's why Timothy says in, in 410, 1 Timothy, for, it is, for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. See, we see that God has made salvation available for everybody, but we have to accept him as our savior, right? He's made it available for all, but especially for believers, who those who are going to take hold of it and who are going to go after it, who are going to accept it by faith. And then once we accept him by faith into our lives, it doesn't stop accepting him by faith. You know, you go from next level and growing and learning and developing in the kingdom, living by faith, because it says without faith, it's impossible to please him. I want, I want to please him. Right? Right, Chick? Amen. I know Chick does too. Right, I do. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, I love it. When we, when we come to him, we just lay down our lives before him and I, we say, King Jesus, here is everything. Here is who I am. Um, and it's not out of, we're not depraved or anything, but it's just a, a humility. It's like, Lord, you are so good. You are such a king. We get to serve you. Here's, here is everything. Every part of my life I want you to infiltrate. Right? Every area of my life. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth you profess your, save, your faith and you're saved. You know what stuck, sticks out to me so much in this one? For it is with your heart that you believe. Yeah. Like, so much of our Christian life can be traced to our heart maintaining our heart. I think that is so profound. We, we usually talk about it as just a salvation scripture. For, but it's with your heart that you believe and you're justified or you're saved. It's, you know, our heart, man, guarding our heart. What's in our heart? So important. So I feel like with all of this, I'm, I'm saying this to kind of stir our faith, to kind of get us back into this, that we should be expecting growth and multiplication in our lives and in the lives of others around us. Um, we have a heart here to grow and to develop. And our goal as leaders is to see you grow and develop. And we are busy right now working on tracks that we're going to be rolling out in the fall and as we go th uh, toward the end of this year, of uh, different growth tracks to train new people coming in. How do we get you trained and equipped? If you've been saved for 30 years, how do we take you and get you trained and equipped even further? How do we get you activated in the things of God? So that we're not just hearing and listening, but that we are able to move. Like when we go out of here, when you know that you have been given authority and you have a commission, it changes things. Amen. That changes how I live my life. You know? That's a pretty cool thing. So we need to be expecting growth and multiplication. And don't be caught off guard when it starts happening. Yeah. When we are expecting it, we're going to see it. And I have seen for years, there are sometimes so many people welcome growth and multiplication. So many people say they do, and then it starts happening. It's like, oh, I don't know. This is going to make me change. 
you know, I might have to move from this seat to that seat. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get over that. You know, it's like we all want growth, but when it starts happening, and I mean, we've seen, Joy and I, we meet with a lot of people. We've done a lot of counseling. And sometimes, you know, you just you work with someone and they know what they need to do, but they don't want to change to get the growth. And getting growth and seeing growth happens in our lives is equivalent to change. Okay, we're going to be changing our entire lives and hopefully growing our entire lives, you know. Um, I think of this um, story when I, so I grew up, uh, you know, in a partially Italian home. My mom's not here today, but usually when there's one member of your parents, is she here? I see my dad, but I don't see my mom. Oh, she's in the back. Okay, she's here. Great. We've established that. Excellent. Um, so I love it, though. Um, I got very used to just having people around all the time. You know, Joy, I married into an Italian family on that side, so I, we've been just surrounded, you know, by it. Um, and there's just something about, like, I remember my, after Sundays, we'd go home from here, and you'd have pasta, and you'd have sauce, right? And it was just like a way of growing up. Football would be turned on, the sauce would be on the stove, big meal, like, and then you all fall asleep because of all the carbs, you know, it's like, you know, take a big long afternoon nap, um, but that's kind of how I grew up, so I grew up with people around, we had people living with us during times of our lives, Joy and her family, they had people living with them all the time, um, always big meals, inviting people over, it's just part of our lives, I don't even understand people who don't invite people over, I, it's just like, I, I don't understand that, um, we just always have um, but I remember once when my mother and my aunt were preparing a, a meal, and my grandma was there. My, my grandma was kind of like the ultimate, just host and cook, Jody Cristofaro. She went to this church for many, many years. And I remember them saying to my grandma, Mom, why are you making so much food? Well, she's like, well, you never know who's going to stop by. And that was always her answer. You never know who might stop by during dinner. I mean, I... I don't remember that happening all that much, but I guess in that culture before, like people, I guess, just drop by houses at dinner time. We don't do that a whole lot anymore. Um, but that was the thought. It was like you never know. You, you prepare more, right, for what you need because you never know who might stop by. We don't just think of ourselves. We think of others. We prepare more than what we need to get ready to host, to be hospitable, to have people into our home. And I thought about that even, you know, with the Lord. Um, you know, we should be bringing people, quote, to our family dinners, you know, inviting them in to our family dinners. And, uh, uh, and I say that kind of as a metaphor, but we have a big, inclusive family in the family of God. So who are you inviting for your family dinner? You know, who are you making time with to spend and get to know more people? We, should, we, are, we are all, Joy and I were talking about this week, we are all interacting with people every day. Every one of us is out there, you know, interacting with people, talking with people. We work with people, people who need Christ, who need to understand, who need, to, who need healing, who need help. I felt the Lord saying that to me over the last few months, too. And, you know, what I try to do is a lot of system change. So I'm on different boards, and I represent, and I, I want to see the kingdom of God come into systems and, you know, affect large groups of people. But then the Lord was saying, well, what about the one? I know Ben would talk about that. It's like his message, right? Heidi Baker. What about the one? What about the person that you just passed? Like when you go into Wegmans and you're bolting in there like 90 miles an hour to get something and run out. You don't want to talk to anybody. You got your shades on. I was like, I want to get in and I want to get out. You know, but what if you just slowed down a hair and actually 
was open and aware that God might want to speak to somebody there. Or you might have an encounter. Someone comes up to you and you don't run the other direction, but you stop and you realize that God has set you up for this moment to encourage them, to speak into their life, you know, to edify them. So we're all interacting with people every day. Are we inviting them, you know, to get to know God? Are we inviting them into the kingdom of God? I I really want to start stirring that in us because there's a lot of us here, you might be new, and there's a lot of us here who've been here a long time. And we can get stuck just hearing good message after good message after good message. Um, But what God is saying is, no, the kingdom of God multiplies. It expands. Everything about it, if you look in the parables, is multiplication and growth and expansion. But it starts with our hearts. It starts with our hearts being open. So I want to stir us in that a little bit today, just to be, to be thinking of that, uh, to be aware as we're going about our normal day. You know? um, we're not too big to stop for an interaction with somebody. You know? We're not too busy to stop and to follow the Holy Spirit and be obedient to who he just brought into our path. Amen. If we're too busy, then there's a problem. I hate people when they say they're busy. I never say I'm busy. Everyone else comes up to me and says, I know you must be so busy. I say, no, my life is full, but I really love all the stuff that I'm involved in. We've got four kids, a family, and I choose. I want to be part of this. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. Uh, we're not to be overwhelmed with our life and our life circumstances. You know, if you're someone who goes around all the time just saying you're busy, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, okay, who's in charge of your life? You know, is it you and the Lord deciding together what you're coming into? Or is it you just, it's just become a routine and a programmed response to say, I'm busy, I'm busy. Well, every time we say that, we have shut the door down to communication with somebody, or we've, we've held people out here, you know? I mean, I've been there, I've done that. I used to say it all the time, oh, I'm so busy, you know? But now I just don't like it at all. It's like, <laughs> if you're that busy, it makes it sound like you're out of control. Your life's spinning out of control, and that's not God's will for our lives. You can be full and effective and enjoy life. I thought of this too. You know, when we talk about being aware, or right, Ben, going to the one, ministering to the one, and Ben could come up and preach this message, and you probably will have to soon, okay? So I'm just getting you ready. Um, But when we, why are we even fearful sometimes? I thought about it this week. Like, what is holding me back from sharing God to someone else, sharing how he has impacted my life when I'm so excited about my life in the kingdom of God? But why do I clam up, you know? I mean, we could probably all ask that question. And then I was reading Acts 1.8, and I'm like, okay, we have no excuse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you know Jesus and you have experienced the Holy Spirit and you've received him into your life, you have been given power and authority and to be his witnesses. Like, whoa, it's not all on me saying the perfect thing or you know, being in the right place or trying to manage my day so that I run into all these new people. No, it's just like we can have confidence that we have been given authority and that we are his witnesses. Yeah. And that when the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we have received the Holy Spirit, we're in those days, that we are his witnesses. We have power in us. There's power in us. And the words that we say, the seeds that are sown when we share with other people may bloom in a year or two years or or two weeks. We don't know, but we don't need to be fearful. 
so, but getting back to a little bit here, when we talk about inviting people, Christian maturity is thinking of others above ourselves. And when I think of Christian maturity, I know Jonathan has written a book on this from a leadership perspective, uh, but Jesus served and he got down in the dirt and he washed the feet of his disciples. Yes. You know, here was the king of the entire universe that uh, I've read this story hundreds of times in my Christian life, but it's so profound on the example that he set on what it looks like. Um, I'm gonna, actually, I just want to read it. If you have your Bible, turn to John 13, and I'm going to wrap this up here. So this is cool. I mean, okay, and so just picture this, too, when you're reading it. I'm like, this is before he was going to be crucified. This was before the Feast of the Passover. So he had hours at this point before he was going to be crucified, and he knew what was going to happen. And I'm thinking, if that was me, and I was in Jesus' shoes, and I knew I only had hours, I'd have, like, a lot of stuff I'd have to wrap up before that happened, you know? <laughs> It's like, ah, I can't do this right now, guys. I'd get down on the ground and wash your feet, but I got to get to the bank. I got to close out these accounts. You know, I got to stop here. I got to pick up my dry cleaning for when I'm in the tomb and the, I need the new robes. Yeah, I got all these new things I got to do, right? I got a lot of stuff I got to close up before I can get down here and wash your feet. I don't have time to do this, right? That's what I would have maybe felt like. So this is This is amazing. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was, had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from summer and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter, and he said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What you do not realize now, but you will understand after. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you do not have, you have no part of me. Simon Peter said, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew someone was going to betray him. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I also gave you an example that you should do as I do to you. And he goes on to say some just amazing things. But he set in a kingly example of serving. And it's a, such an um, unbelievable picture. And I, I'm con confident, I didn't look up in the history of all this, but there was no Roman emperor of that day who was probably going to get down on the dirt and wash the feet of their servants. I mean, that was such a radical, incredible thing. And he was setting the tone for us. And we get to watch, we get to be part of that. Jesus is saying, now you know what kingdom leadership looks like. Go and do the same thing. Wash the feet of those around you. Serve one another. Royalty in the kingdom looks like serving. It looks like hospitality. It looks like spending time with others. Yeah. Royalty in the kingdom looks like people sharing their hearts. It looks like people sharing their time. 
right? We do that here, and we do that outside of here. Here, it's like if you're a senior saint, you've been saved a long time, you should be here early, serving. What needs to be done? How am I going to help someone else today come into their destiny? Like, that's why we're here. We're not just here to just get our own needs met. If you are younger in the Lord, you've been with us a short period of time, we are here to serve you. And we want to see you grow and develop. We want to see your kids thrive. You know, we are raising a group of world changers down there. We're not just satisfied putting coloring books in front of them. There's nothing wrong with coloring. I just want to always preface that because someone will be hurt. There's nothing wrong with coloring. But that's not what it's all about, okay? We want to raise a generation of world changers, and we are going in that direction. So that's what royalty in the kingdom looks like. Uh, Jesus was always looking for those who weren't in the group, who didn't belong, and he wanted to bring them in, right? Bring them in close. Look at the group that he had around him. These were not well-trained, well-educated, polished people of his age. He went out of his way to say, you, yep, you've been hurt and rejected. You, why don't you come with me? You, everybody hates you. You're actually a plague, a tax collector. Why don't you come with me, and we're going to teach you the ways of the kingdom. Amen. You know? Amen. So as part of God's family, just closing, we've been given authority, and we've been commissioned. Say, I have been given authority... And I have been commissioned. And two, we carry a heart for expansion and for increase. So I just want us to, as we close, I want to pray over us. And just, you can stand on up. And I just want to release some things over us and pray. And that we don't just hear the words, but we go out and do it. Um, Let's just sit for a second and just... Listen to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much that we get to be part of your family, that that truth would never get old in us, that even today there'd be just a fresh understanding of what that means in our own lives. That you haven't called us to sit, or, sit around and wait for things, but to go out and to make an impact. To carry your heart out to those who need it. Lord, I just release today over us just that we would walk in a fresh awareness this week of those around us. That there'd be a fresh awareness of what we have been assigned to and what we're capable of releasing on this earth. That we wouldn't just walk through our days like Groundhog Day or like zombies just doing our normal things, worrying about our own families. But Lord, that we'd welcome other people, that we'd bring people into the table of God, that we'd make room in our lives for others around us, that we'd be able to make adjustments and change and open ourselves up to how you want to use us. And today we commit in a new way to open our hearts to growing and to expanding. And this might even seem redundant that we're saying this because we talk about it all the time. But I think it's so important that if you have a hand on your heart, just put a hand on your heart right now. I was going to say, if you have a hand, put a hand on your heart. I hope there's two for every seat. Uh, Lord, thank you. Lord, we even today, just together, and in front of each other, um, just spiritually locking arms with one another, we... We just say, Lord, my heart is to grow and to increase. 
Lord, that my heart, and as you say this over yourself, my heart is to grow and increase. And just say that, my heart is to grow and increase. So Lord, we open our heart to you in a fresh way. We open it to you to say, come on in, Holy Spirit, and reveal those areas that, that need to be worked on, need to be taken out, and need, those weeds that have gotten in there, they need to come out. Uh, but we, we invite you in in a fresh way. We say, Holy Spirit, come in, take over that we want to orient our lives towards growing and advancing your kingdom. Being those who water the gardens around us, to bring water to those around us who need it, as we've been talking about. Lord, we love you so much, and there's nothing more captivating than being a part of your kingdom and being on assignment and being ready for what you want to do. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your presence that we carry and that we carry out of here. Lord, that it would impact our whole family, whoever you're with, that it would impact your families. If you're a grandparent, that it would impact you and flow down to your family. That if you're a businessman here and you're running a business, that it would impact you and flow down to your family. That it would, you would water your business, water your family business, water your business. I don't know why, I just feel there's something there over business people. that It would water your businesses in Jesus' name. Bring increase to your business in Jesus' name. That there'd be more than enough in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, God. We bless you. Thank you. We get to be a part of your family, be a part of your army. It's so awesome. We love you so much. Bless everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to find out more of what's happening here at New Hope, please contact newhopecom.org or download additional messages from our podcast.